0: want to invite all the children to come a little bit closer to your screens and join me for a special moment before Dr. Towns offers our sermon this morning. She's going to be talking with us about hope. We just heard a scripture reading that was all about hope. When I was growing up, we used to take vacations sometimes as a family. Usually we'd go somewhere in the state of Tennessee. We might go to a state park or Center Hill Lake or someplace that was maybe a two hour drive away. But one time, my parents made plans for us to go to the beach. And I didn't know how long that was going to take. But they said, we're going to go to the beach and you're going to love it when we get there. So I got in the car, and time passed. I didn't wear a watch in those days. But Boy, it felt like we'd been driving for 18 days. And I said, when are we going to get there? Are we ever getting to the beach? And they said, we'll get there soon. It seemed to last forever. And I almost gave up hope that we would ever get there. I began to wonder, are we really going to the beach or I'm going to spend the rest of my life in this station wagon? But you know what? We did get there eventually, and I just had to trust my parents that what they promised was true and that we would get to the beach and it would be more beautiful than I could ever imagine. In our scripture reading today, we're reminded about God's promises. God promises us that one day everything will be right Everybody will know God's love and creation will be taken care of and all sadness will go away. And I know we're not there yet, but what we are invited to do is to trust God and to trust in that promise and to hope that we will get there and that we can trust God to get us there. Let's pray together. Loving God, we have so much hope for our lives and for our world. Help us to trust you and to stay with you and to follow you and to know that you are moving us toward a better world. Thank you so much for Dr. Towns, who's with us today. Help us to hear her words and to. See hope in what she brings to us today. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Good morning. It is good to be with you, uh, finally. I think we started talking about this moment a year and a half, almost two years ago. And what we envisioned then looked nothing like what we have now. So it's so good to be here with you and hopefully um, more to come. Let us pray. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, our strength and our redeemer, our rock of salvation. And those gathered who could, said, Amen. When I was a little girl, I spent a good deal of time trying to conjure up heaven. I thought that if I could just imagine those angels, those harps, those clouds, then I wouldn't be so scared of this big, angry, white-haired, white-bearded, white-furrow-browed God, the minister Preachified about on those Sunday mornings in Southern Pines, North Carolina. I thought if I could see those fluffy clouds, sit on those soft with goose down couches, smell the tasty, because I just knew anything that had to do with heaven had to be tasty food. The hot chicken, the hot and butter rolls, the spoon bread, the gravy made from chicken grease yes, chicken grease, the collard greens, the string beans, the big-grained rice, the macaroni and cheese, the mashed potatoes, the candied yam, the rib roast, the salmon croquettes, the salad, lettuce and tomato, the cakes, pound, coconut chocolate, the pies, apple, sweet potato, chest, pecan, the Kool-Aid, the lemonade, the sweetened tea, because there was no such thing as unsweetened tea, when I was growing up. And butter, 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 butter. I realized now that I was associating heaven with the way my grandmama's house smelled on Saturday night and Sunday morning. I thought if I could hear the good music, because all my playmates and I knew that all angels knew the beat could carry a tune and played a mean harp, then I wouldn't worry so much. When the men in white sheets marched through the black section of town, my grandmother and all the other loving people I knew lived. I thought if I could just conjure up heaven in my mind and in my heart and in my prayers, then maybe, just maybe, It seems interesting to me now, years later and living back home in the South, that I never once consciously associated paradise with what I saw and felt on earth when I was a little girl in my grandmama's kitchen. And now, in our worlds of knowledge and our ability to create and shape our environment to fit our own levels of comfort, it is hard to imagine paradise sometimes that is beyond our technical expertise. We seem to be mired in a world of facts, statistics, data, numbers, flowcharts, pie charts forecasts and projections. We seem to delight in our ability to prove or disprove anything, everything, and the reality of nothing. We use our technical brilliance to explain, codify, compartmentalize, delineate, and elaborate. We have created our own worlds and oceans of fun, flags over Texas, Georgia, mid-America, casinos of delight, fun houses of sex, peep shows on paper and video and flesh, shooting galleries of death, and enclaves of holiness. We seem to have so much knowledge, and we are busy, oh so busy, searching for paradise in a world of theme parks. We have rushed in one too many times to cover ourselves up with human-made delight so that life will not crush us. We have sought one too many easy answer to the dilemma of shaping a faith that moves beyond our different cultural versions of shouting that looks, feels, and sounds like a postmodern minstrel show to one that endures and deals with the realities of what it takes to confess our sins in a world that you and I have helped create. We have tried one too many additional quick fix that has pushed us into empty living, empty worship, empty mission, empty witness, empty spirituality, empty faith. And oh, the choices we make, the choices we make about living often hijack our hearts, close our minds, destroy our spirits, mute our witness, and we are being tracked down by history with purses filled with kiddie rides and wallets full of trackless trains. But neither go anywhere fun because our theme parks are little more than beautified boondocks rather than marrows of deep and great joy. So Hebrews calls us to remember our faith but not be held captive to the past for the present and the future are God's as well. The writer is also dealing with folks who had grown complacent, who were lost or were losing their confidence in God's promises. I suspect that some of these folks had a faith fashioned by their notions of success, gain, and prosperity. And others had their faith crafted out of illusions and spectacles, and still others only thought to thank God when they got what they prayed for. But never turned to God when life said no. These are all human folk, just like you and me, all trying our best to live lives of faith, but failing to remember the important word from Hebrews, endurance. Oh yes, oh yes, oh yes. Far too often we are living in a world of deadly theme parks of our own making. And it is fatal to love a God who does not love us who only takes from us, who offers us contrived hope and temporary comfort, who makes promises it cannot keep and never intended to keep in the first place, who tells us to keep going when we should stop and stop when we should be pressing on. All these things and more, instead of turning to God who comforts, leads, advises, Strengthens, chastises, encourages, and enlarges our vision of ourselves. Friends, far too many of us have become beggars at the table of religions that sanction our own destruction, and some of us think that this is holy. So, I, quite frankly, have renewed my search for paradise. You see, the writer of Hebrews doesn't want us to abandon our salvation. We are challenged to have endurance, which is to live with the past and in the present for a hope for countless tomorrows. Endurance that coaxes us to have patience in the midst of the challenges we face and joys we revel. Endurance that does not always depend on our technical smarts or our ability to explain the unexplainable. Endurance that has its heart in the deep knowing of faith. You see, there is an important difference between knowledge and knowing, a difference between technical expertise and listening to the rhythms of a living God in our lives. A difference between being able to count how many people are sitting at the dining room table and sense when all are there and know when someone is missing. A difference between strategizing about our next move on how we're going to get closer to the one who has captured our interest and turning around time and time again. And there they are. Both have their place and both are needed. And sometimes they come together in marvelous ways. But the challenge for us is having the faith to allow knowledge and knowing to work on God's time and not on our own. You see, I have a knowledge which I appreciate on the difference between deontological and teleological ethics. But I know, I know my Redeemer lives. I have a knowledge which I also appreciate, even though it can make me weary, of the ways in which interstructured oppression functions in the world and in the life of the church. And I know Jesus is the rock of salvation. I have knowledge of the inequities of a health care system in this country and sadly in this state that refuses to recognize the humanity of us all. And I know that God delivered Daniel from the lion's den. I have a knowledge of the dynamics and idiosyncrasies of heterosexism and transexism. And I know that God gave the Canaanite woman the gumption to refuse to take not now from Jesus as a final answer. I know Jesus loves me and you. I know that God sealed the covenant with the rainbow. I know that the Holy Spirit moves like the winds across the waters of time and space and into the whirlwinds of eternity. I know no matter what color of my skin, whom I love with passion and in ecstasy, no matter how old I may be getting, how gray I have become, how round my body becomes, how much forgetfulness becomes my steady companion, or how long I have to work for justice, that I'm still a beloved child of God, a woman in the making, and it will be all right one day, And you are on this journey, too. The faith of Hebrews is the solid reality of hope found in knowing. And this is a difficult and demanding task. We are seeking paradise in a world of theme parks that have at their very core a warped sense of righteousness such that some of us need not apply for justice or mercy, but We have dreams that can be more powerful than the nightmares, possibilities more radical than the realities, and a hope that does more than cling to a wish or wish on a star or sit by the side of the road picking and sucking its teeth after dining on a meal of disaster and violence in our lives and in the lives of others. Oh, but hope can create new opportunities for pain and disappointment. It is undeniable that countless hopes have been short-lived and undependable. So we often tinge our hope with skepticism. We seriously doubt the possibility of the very things we want the most. We find ways to sell ourselves short, to deem others less than to give up on living a life of justice and mercy. For all the witnesses that have gone before us and yet to come, we find ourselves content to live out the weary drama of an outdated carousel of momentary ecstasies. But hope is powerful. Hope gives us the metal and spunk to lay claim to the strength of our faith for the power of God's love for us. Hope gives us the ability to recognize that no event in our lives, whatever its character, can imprison us Ultimately, we refuse to scale down our aspirations to the level of the facts in our present situation because God is always calling us to move beyond the present to shape and mold a better tomorrow. Hope gives us the wisdom to know that God has a divine hand in this mess. It's God who woke us up this morning, It's God who watched over us as we slept. It's God who is the Alpha and the Omega. It's God who gives us the cross. It's God who gives us the empty tomb. It's God who gives us hope beyond hope in the resurrection. Our task is to take the challenge of an enduring faith that is the ground of our hope the joy along with the disappointment, and work with God until our lives begin to pulse with something vaster and greater than anything we've known before. Hope gives us the stubbornness to survey our situations and work out a way of life that gives us health and growth despite the wearying paradox of our living, despite this darn ongoing pandemic. With hope, we do not give up, for we answer life with our lives. For the responsibility for living with meaning, dignity, love, and compassion, spirit, and joy ultimately rests with us. And not with theme parks of gerrymandered thrills and water slides leading to desolation. Thanks be to our God of salvation.
0: Amen.